Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 5.59 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It's the 12th of May, 2021. This is episode 417 of Bitcoin. And we start today with a tweet from Marin Estefanos. Uh, she is, uh, well, well, let's, let's, I'll just tell her who she's, she tweets mainly about refugees, human rights, and Eritrea, E-R-I-T-R-E-A. Um, that's about all we know about her, uh, or at least that's all I know about her, but she's a blue check on Twitter and she's got 23.3 thousand followers and she seems to do quite a bit of work with refugees. So what is she doing here? She says, I just paid my researchers in Ethiopia in Bitcoin for the first time and they were able to convert it to cash within hours. Grateful <clears throat> for this, these wallets and websites who made my life simpler. And she mentions specifically Moon Wallet, M-U-U-N is how you spell moon in the Moon Wallet, and Blue Wallet, as well as Paxful. And she shouts out to Alex Gladstein. So I'm not sure exactly what her researchers are doing in Ethiopia, but they're doing something in Ethiopia. That's for, for damn sure. Um, the next one that I've got for you is an announcement, or not an announcement. It's from Hodler Than Thou, otherwise known as batters.21ism.com, which I'm assuming is their his website. Uh, I've noticed his tweets as of late as well. Now, this one says, two years ago, I sent all of my tenants the Bitcoin standard, a treasure, and gave them 30% off of their rent for three months to buy Bitcoin. Today, I completed a sale on one of those flats. My tenant sent me a message saying that I had changed her life and put her on the path to freedom. Worth it. Now, there's a <clears throat> a lot I could say about this because I, I don't know Hodler than now, and I've never really talked to Hodler, so I don't, I can only infer that he's got an apartment building and that he has tenants and that he rents out apartments or, you know, slash flats to these people and they pay him money on a month over month basis. And here he is buying them the Bitcoin standard and a treasure and a 30% off discount for, uh, off their rent um, for three months. That's an entire quarter of a 30% discount on rent. Um, <clears throat> that's, that's that's a pretty big bite out of revenue, honestly. So I have been thinking about this quite a bit. The uh, companies that my father left after he died, we converted uh, we converted quite a bit of cash a long time ago into 
some rental properties. And I have been toying with the idea of giving a flat 10% off discount to the tenants of those places if they pay in Bitcoin. I've talked to my sister about it because she has she would have to sign off on it since, you know, she's co-owner as well as my stepmom. Um, so it would have to be <clears throat> at least a two to three vote. And we haven't we haven't done it yet. I might revisit this back, but it would not be so that they could buy, you know, Bitcoin directly for themselves. Although after reading this, I don't know. I might consider it. It's it may be a good way to go about, you know, going forward into the future. Anyway, I'm just I'm just saying that um <clears throat> having people out there that are using their, you know, their treasure, their talents and their time to make people's lives better. Honestly, you know, before the, you know, okay, here it is. Before the uh, lockdowns occurred and we got into all the stupidity, you know, I was, I was going to church every Sunday and uh, had been going to church every Sunday for a good handful of years. I, I stopped going, you know, when I started, when I started going to college, I just kind of lost interest, but started going back and they always talked about donating your time, treasure, and talent to the church. And honestly, I think your time, treasure, and talent is better spent doing something like Hodler than thou did. And I'm not saying that giving your time, talent, and treasure to, to your church is bad. I'm just saying that you've got to look at, well, what is the impact of that time, talent, and treasure? Is the church really using it to, its, to, the, to the best degree that it can be used? Or would you have more impact by going it alone and doing what Hodler than thou did and basically give people the ability to use some of their rent money to buy Bitcoin and watch their lives change? I don't know. I mean, I get it depends on your church, what your church does. Or it doesn't even have to be your comparison between, you know, church and what this guy's doing. It can be like uh, if you're working for a nonprofit group you know, or something like that. I mean, is your, is is the way that you're deploying your capital making an impact? I'm just saying it's something to think about, man. It really is. It's something to think about. Now, Stanley Druckenmiller opened his mouth and started talking uh, apparently yesterday or the day before. And well, I'll, I'll just let Stan speak for himself. Let's talk about the dollar and 85% of the transactions are still done in, in the dollar. You pointed out in, in a recent speech that you think we've crossed the Rubicon. Are, are you comfortable saying with what you said there, that, that, that for the first time in your career, you think we lose reserve status at some point? I'm comfortable with it. That's my central case. As you know, Joe, I can change my mind. But yeah, um, you said that to some extent, the Fed is enabling the fiscal transfers. It's not to some extent. They couldn't be doing this without the Fed. The Fed is monetizing their activity. I mentioned all the QE after vaccine confirmation and retail sales. We've had 850 billion of direct transfers. 575 billion of them came after retail sales were above trend. 575 of the 850 billion. I'm old enough to remember the the bond market vigilantes. I used to be one of them. Without the Fed buying, I don't know what the exact number is, I think it's 60% of all the debt issued, the the bond markets would be totally rejecting this. So they are enabling 
this massive expansion in fiscal policy. And the problem is, if you end up getting inflation, and frankly, even if you don't, the debt is going to be so big. You remember I did my entitlement talks eight or nine years ago. That's all happened except for one thing, the interest rate level. So we're right now in the crux of when the demographic, when the baby boomers accelerate in terms of, of getting Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, that stuff. Right as we're doing that, we just put $6 trillion of new debt on. Again, all enabled by the Fed. These guys cannot be doing it. Bond rates would go to a prohibitive level. So my, my issue here is, in the future, um, as we go forward, if you look at, do you have chart five up there? Let's get it. I think we can do it. Uh, which one? Uh, it's federal spending, Social Security, major health care programs, federal spending is a percent of GDP. This, this is, is the CBO. This is not me. Okay. And they're saying if 10 years go to 4.9%, which is their normalized projection, the interest expense alone will be close to 30% of GDP every year. That's basically what we just spent on the COVID emergency in the last year. Wow, there's a lot to unpack there, dude. I mean, a whole lot to unpack. And we're not going to unpack it all. I just want to hit on two points here. One is, the takeaways here is Stanley Druckenmiller is calling for the loss of the world reserve currency status for the United States dollars inside of 15 years. <clears throat> That's big all by itself. However, it should be noted, literally, it should be noted what he said there at the end, that if the 10-year bond rate goes to 4% you know, four and change, you're looking at having to, to service 30%, service on our debt would be 30% of GDP. I don't, I, that's a, like just under a third of every dollar made by the United States in total. <clears throat> through all income instrumentation, whether it be tariffs, <clears throat> income tax, I, you name it, dude, you name it. The total GDP, we would have to service 30% or use 30% of that to service the debt if the 10-year goes to 4% and change. Again, so not, notwithstanding his comments on loss of world reserve status, uh, we're going to be alive, ladies and gentlemen, even if you're 60 or 70 years old listening to this, uh, you're going to be alive to see some serious tumult. And we're already, you know, we're already seeing a shit ton of weirdness over in Israel and Palestine. I'm not taking sides on that, by the way. <clears throat> I'm looking at it from a geopolitical standpoint. Um, I have a gut feeling that this does not end with a ceasefire. Okay. I know I'm, I'm bouncing around here. I'm going from 30% service on GDP and the loss of the world reserve currency status, uh, all the way to Israel and Palestine and the multiple rockets that were, have been launched at each other over the couple of days. But what's weird about that is that before that entire thing started breaking loose and the first rockets were fired, I was seeing chatter about world war three. And I don't want to scare anybody here, but this is something that you just, <clears throat> you don't just dismiss what's going on over in the Middle East as yet, oh, well, they'll just, they'll shake hands and 
and they'll clean up the mess and they'll have a ceasefire because they always have a ceasefire. Because Ben Kaufman on, on Twitter cautioned me that, that uh, it will probably end in a ceasefire, but I don't know. And it's not that I'm calling Ben out. I mean, we all have our opinions on things, but I don't know, man. I, I, don't, I also don't want to say the, the, the sentence this time it's different because I don't know if it's different, but I got to go with my gut. This is a this was one of the largest exchanges of weaponry between Palestine and Israel in a very long time. I mean, a very, very long time. Usually it's like, oh, 20 rockets and this and that. But, you know, we're talking hundreds. And if you count them all up between both sides, you're, you're talking almost like probably a thousand rockets, you know, total. Um, <clears throat> I, I think shit could break loose and start right there. Will it be World War III? I don't think so. And even if it is World War III, I don't think it's going to look anything like World War II. I certainly do not think it's going to cause the release of nuclear weaponry. I, I, I think that we're pretty much past that. I could be wrong. God help us if that happens. But I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't think that's going to happen. But that doesn't mean that really terrible shit can't happen without nuclear weaponry. You, it, it can Believe me, it, it can. So you're going to be alive during a time of ridiculous tumult. How do you react? How do you prepare yourself? I don't know. Start by buying <clears throat> uh, a five-gallon can of gas uh, or gas canister and go fill it up when you fill up your car and do that this month. And this is not my idea, by the way. This is Jack Spirico from the uh, Survival Podcast. And it's good advice. And for those of you that are on the East Coast that are, you know, going through the gas shortage because some, somehow or another, a major pipeline shipping gas from Texas all the way through Louisiana and up into the East Coast, somehow they put that shit on the Internet and it was hacked. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't get grids and electrical systems and gas pipelines being put on the fucking Internet where you can shift, turn valves on and off via remote if you have password uh, control or, or credentials, you know, to be able to get into the system. That's just stupid, right? So stop doing that. Second of all, <clears throat> go get a five-gallon gas can, mark it with, uh, in Sharpie on the side with the number five, because we'll say January, February, March, April, May. We're in the fifth month of the year. Fill it up with gas, put a uh, gas stabilizer in it so that it stabilizes, put the cap on, and wait until next month where you will buy another five gallon can of gas and you will mark this one with a giant six on the side. And then you will take it the next time you go fill up your car in, uh, was it May, June, June, you will take it to the gas station and you will fill it up with five gallons of gas and you will put gas stabilizer in it and you will cap it. You will turn, put the cap on it and you will throw it in your garage or somewhere else that, that you feel safe storing gasoline. You will do this <clears throat> until next year in April, where you will write a giant four on it. And you will go all the way through this through this year, and you will start in January with a giant one, and you will do another one with a two, and then you will do another one with a three, and then you will end with four. By the end of the day, or by the end of the year, <clears throat> you will end up with 60 gallons of gas that is stabilized, and you won't have to run to the gas station and stand in line while 
fiascos like this happen. Also, if you have a generator, electric generator along with it, what you can do is in times of really, you know, like the Texas freeze that we had last month or the month before or whatever, <clears throat> you will be able to run your generator. 60 gallons of gas will give you hundreds of hours on a generator to be able to run a couple of radios, cool down your refrigerator so that food doesn't spoil, heat your, you know, heat your home, even though it's going to be with a space heater and not like your full blown, you know, uh, air conditioning system. There's ways to be prepared, but that's one way to start. You just start small and move on from there. And that way, if you had done that and you were living in the, living in the East and all your gas stations were closed, you wouldn't really give a shit now, would you? Because 60 gallons of gas is going to get, you know, is going to take a full car quite a ways. I'm just saying, man, I'm just saying. Now, last thing up for announcements here, <clears throat> I want to uh, plug Vlad, the Vlad Costia's new Bitcoin takeover radio. He is, in fact, launching a whole a Bitcoin takeover radio is going to have a bunch of different podcasts on it. Mine is going to be on there as well. Thank you, Vlad. I do appreciate it. Um, so what I'll say about it is he's got a, a blurb here on his website, which is the bitcoin-takeover.com website. It says, when launch? Well, that would be today. Because on Wednesday, May the 12th, 2021, 8 p.m. CET, which is 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Americans. Although I hope he's... <clears throat> I hope he understands that we're in Eastern Daylight Time, so I don't know if that's going to be 2 o'clock uh, Eastern Daylight Time or what. So just, just be on the lookout for it. I will start streaming the first broadcast. It includes podcasts from nine other content creators, some of whom you know and most of whom you'll love, and music from myself and one other artist. The first broadcast is sponsored by Volturo and Shift Crypto's Bitbox02. The former will give you the chance to win 100 bits. Oh, God. He's, that's right, I forgot. Vlad is, Vlad is all about the bits and not the sats. <clears throat> but he says, a chance to win 100 bits, which is 10,000 Satoshis, through a lightning faucet at the end of every episode, while the latter will teach you about Bitcoin history and might just do a hardware wallet giveaway. I will also promote Wasabi Wallet. Their podcast, Wasabikas, is also part of the playlist, and I can't praise their product enough, as well as Thunder Games. I'm a big fan of Jack Everett's Bitcoin Bounce and Turbo 84, and we're doing a cross promotion. So, Bitcoin Takeover Radio launches today. Congratulations, Vlad Castilla. I'm not sure about the bits thing, but hey, to each his own. If you want to, if you want to talk in bits, you go right ahead, man. Nobody's nobody can force you to do anything in this world. Um, well, at least in the Bitcoin world, thank God. Okay, starting with the news. Inside the Caribbean villas using Bitcoin to advance financial freedom. This is out of Bitcoin Magazine, written by Peter Chihuahua. The, the Caribbean is a region that underscores the global inequality of access to the international financial system. It's a place full of unique natural resources, hardworking people, and destinations sought by tourists from around the world. But its economies 
have been thoroughly and devastatingly, quote, de-risked by major global banks, a process that has seen these banks place restrictions on Caribbean businesses over anti-money laundering or other regulatory concerns. This makes it exceptionally difficult for Caribbean businesses to participate in the legacy financial system, particularly for making cross-border fund transfers. Quote, banks pulling out of the region include the Bank of America, Scotiabank, Royal Bank of Canada, and the CIBC, the Centers for uh, Strategic and International Studies reported on the de-risking of the Caribbean that followed the 2008 financial crisis. Quote, banks from the Netherlands, Germany, and the United Kingdom also restricted their corresponding banking relationship businesses with uh, Caribbean jurisdictions, end quote. Of course, Bitcoin can provide a lifeline for individuals or businesses that find themselves cut off from financial institutions. Bitcoin is supported by individual nodes running at software and transactions are approved and verified by a network of international miners that are motivated predominantly by fees and not required to adhere to any set of regulations. It gives those in the Caribbean the chance to capitalize on the value that they offer to the rest of the world. without the restrictive difficulties imposed by international banks, an opportunity being demonstrated clearly by Storm Gonsalves, who grew up in St. Vincent and is now constructing the Bitcoin forward vacation development, One Bequia. Quote, banking in the Caribbean is overregulated and technologically outdated, Gonsalves explained to Bitcoin Magazine. Quote, online banking, if available, is very basic. To send wires can sometimes take weeks. Opening accounts takes a similar amount of time. On top of all that, international rules are coming down hard on regional banks while ignoring some of these same rules in their own home countries. This is all very harmful to the business atmosphere in the region, end quote. Gunsalvez's development, which offers two to five bedroom villas for sale on the picturesque island of Bequia, proposes to bring the Caribbean economy into the future by enabling Bitcoin payments for the properties as well as for daily expenses in the community. Customers can reserve their villa lots with a deposit of $10,000 or the Bitcoin equivalent before completing a land holding license application and a construction contract. And within 12 months, they can move into their newly built villa. Once there, they will be able to use Bitcoin and other major cryptocurrencies to pay for goods and services like meals at the clubhouse, groceries, or their monthly maintenance fees. Gonsalves expects one Bequia to utilize a financial crimes enforcement network approved processor to accept BTC payments. Oh God, that's probably not going to go well. And will convert most of the Bitcoin he receives into fiat. Once expenses are covered, he will determine what to do with any excess cryptocurrency. Quote, aside from all of its practical benefits, of ease of transfer, traceability, and non-inflationary aspects, the fact that our acceptance of Bitcoin and its technology puts us at the forefront of a global innovation is exciting, to say the least. It's a game changer, he said. Gonsalves hopes one Bequia eventually becomes a home for the <clears throat> current and future pioneers of the Bitcoin movement. Ah, oh, he's going for a citadel here. Showing the world what is possible through a Bitcoin standard. <clears throat> But he also hopes that it will help residents of the Caribbean open their minds to the power of blockchain technology and financial tools that circumvent the restrictions placed on them in the meantime. Quote, living in small island economies leaves you highly susceptible to natural disasters and global economic shocks. 
at least a portion of income should be held in one of these currencies because we at least need reserves to carry us through turbulent times in the future. Additionally, <clears throat> Islanders are very mobile people with a large diaspora, or sorry, diaspora. I think cryptocurrencies and blockchain-backed financial services can make sending money back home to friends and family much easier, end quote. In addition to the hedge that Bitcoin can provide the, uh, the Caribbean people, Gonsalves sees distinct advantages in its ability to preserve privacy. Well, not with the FinCEN-approved payment processor. Uh -uh. Quote, I am a strong believer in privacy and any privacy we lose should be compensated with a significant improvement in time, service, security, and the ease of doing business. The situation we are now in is quite the opposite. Ultimately, he's looking for a system that would give the Caribbean residents the same opportunity to transact internationally as those favored by major global banks. Quote, I think KYC and AML rules are extremely important, but should not hinder already fragile economies such as small island tourism and agricultural based economies that are susceptible to natural disasters as well as global economic shocks. We just need an even playing field. Sending a wire should be the same in the Caribbean as it is in developed countries. He sees potential in blockchain technology at large, altcoins, and even the Dcash, central bank digital currency launched recently by the Eastern Caribbean Central Bank. Anything that offers an alternative to the institutions that have de-risked the region. One Bequia will soon be, at, be a place that hosts wealthy vacationers who enjoy financial freedom far beyond that of the typical Caribbean restaurant. But Gonsalves' goal is to make a place where the potential for Bitcoin to help these residents is realized. Quote, I think of one Bequia as more than just a real estate development. I see it as a meeting of minds. This development will put in close proximity some of the greatest thinkers and doers in the world. Hopefully the success of this project can show the world the potential of Bitcoin. So it looks like he's kind of trying to build a citadel. We'll have to see, you know, how that works. But... Uh, without knowing anything more about it, about it, good luck, bro. More power to you. Now, Tokyo Assembly members seek a 0% Bitcoin tax in the Japanese capital. BTC Times's uh, Thomas M. has this one. Members of Tommen First Nokai, a ruling party of the Tokyo Metropolitan Assembly, are advocating for a 0% Bitcoin tax in the city as part of their plan to transform Tokyo into a financial hub. <clears throat> As reported by Yahoo last week, Assembly member Yu Ito sees Tokyo's position as a financial powerhouse on the decline in comparison to other major cities in the region and worldwide. Quote, according to our research, the number of financial institutions that are gathered in the city is key to our success or failure. Ito was quoted saying, quote, unfortunately, Tokyo is lagging behind in that regard. Just a small aside here. Um... I'm thinking that the human species has been conditioned over the last couple of hundred years to think that the only way that prosperity occurs is the over-financialization of everything, including fucking sand. Sand futures. God, by God, those sand futures. If we didn't have those sand futures, life would be hell on earth. Oil futures, gold futures, the 30-year treasury bond. You know what? The human species is the only species on this planet that has made life fucking miserable for their own species. Think about it. When was the last time you saw a bird pay taxes? 
When was the last time you saw a monkey hanging from a tree complaining about the 10-year yields? When was the last time you saw a group of dolphins chattering about th the pandemic? When did you see any of that? You, somebody in this audience, if you've seen another species on this planet aside from the human species do any of these things, you let me know. Because I'm going to tell you that you're fucking wrong or you're lying. There is, we are the only species that have done this to ourselves. We've over-financialized everything to the point that the only way that a city can be a good city is if it has a shit ton of banks in it. That's bullshit. I, this guy is thinking from the very wrong place that you could be thinking of. Moving forward into the future, we need to definancialize most of this shit. Because this is all just casino. All of it's casino. The only thing that's not a casino is how much I pay for a fucking taco. And I go up to the taco truck and the guy that's running the taco truck wants a life for his family. And I pay that dude or, or the, the woman that's working that taco truck in Bitcoin via the Lightning Network. That's the only over-financialization I really need to see. Because most of the rest of this bullshit is exactly that. It's just bullshit. And it's making our lives of absolute living hell. You know, think about that. Do you really need this much financialization to be quote unquote successful as a city or a nation? It's, it's, it's an illusion. It's a pipe dream. We've got to get out of it. Anyway, <clears throat> continuing on. A progressive cryptocurrency strategy becomes crucial in this situation, he said, but Tokyo's taxation of Bitcoin is in the way of wider adoption. Similar to many other countries, Japan currently taxes Bitcoin capital gains like securities capital gains. However, Bitcoin is originally a currency, therefore it's not easy to use unless taxation is set to zero. Ito further stresses that the city government should now tackle the issue of monetary policy and taxation around Bitcoin and create a special zone in Tokyo so that you can use it tax-free in the city. Ito's party further seeks to make the addition of financial centers, again, here we go, part of the redevelopment plans for the site of the Tsukuji Fish Market, the formerly largest fish market in the world and a tourist attraction rich in history until its closure in 2018. The city of Tokyo previously revealed plans for a convention center, hotel, and casino, of course, to be built on the Tsujiki Market site. Although strongly ad advocated for by the party, there are currently no confirmed plans to follow through on tax cuts or related developments. Now, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. <clears throat> Even though we are talking about the overfinancial, or not, we're not talking about it. I was talking about it. The overfinancialization of everything, including beach sand. <clears throat> no, I'm serious, man. There's without 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 uh, sand mining, there's no concrete. I'm I'm not lying when I talk about sand futures. I mean, somewhere somebody's got a sand futures contract. I'm just saying that expect more of this. More cities that want to develop or redevelop an urban area inside of a city that causes it to be a special zone where Bitcoin is not going to be taxed or taxed at such a low rate that it might as well not even be taxed. The, the whole point of a 0% tax is so that you don't even have to do filing, right? To make it easy to go in there and actually start kick, you know, kickstarting a development. You're going to see more of that. 
because that's going to go hand in hand with regulatory arbitrage. So if I want to get out of the United States to move to say El Salvador or Ecuador or something like that, because I'm just done, that's a form of regulatory arbitrage, but that's, that's cross border. That's a long way. Expect Tokyo neighborhood number one to battle Tokyo neighborhood number two by having different incentives in place to draw people to their particular neighborhoods and get their restaurants back up and running and get their businesses back up and running. Expect that in the future. Now, oh, let's see. No, you know what? First, let's run the numbers. Flammable liquids are up. Shiny metal rocks are down. West Texas Intermediate is uh, one point, well, one and a quarter percent to the upside, $66.10. Brent North Sea likewise up 1.12%, $69.32 for a barrel of that. Natural gas swinging low to almost a point down, $2.93 is going to get you a thousand cubic feet of that. As I mentioned, shiny metal rocks, or at least most of them are down. Gold is down 0.05, Silver is down a half a point, $27.50. Platinum is down a quarter. Uh, Copper, as you might suspect, is up a half a point. And palladium is up as well, almost a half a point. Agricultural futures are all up, save for wheat and coffee, which are both down uh, let's see, is there anything extraordinary? Yeah, soybean price is up almost a point and a half. Corn is up a quarter. Sugar is up a quarter. Cotton is up, uh, <clears throat> let's see, 1.14%. Rough rice is up almost a percent, as well as cocoa at 0.97% to the upside. We have indices all pushed down for the futures. Dow futures is going to open 0.41% down, as is the S&P. NASDAQ futures down further, 0.63, and the S&P mini is down the most at 0.74%. Interest rate futures have all increased on the 30, the 10, and the five-year, and the two, well, the two-year futures is unchanged, but the 30-year futures uh, bond price has shot up 0.12%, so there's that's quite a move for something like the 30-year futures. Uh, let's talk about real money. Bitcoin is at 56,173.28. They're going to be 58,000 forever, Laura. 58K forever, bitches. 309,500 transactions performed in the last 24 hours means that just under 13,000 transactions on average every hour are occurring. 514,931 BTC have been sent in that last 24 hours. And so that means that about 21,500 BTC are being sent every hour on the hour. Average transaction value is 1.6 BTC. The median transaction value is 0.018 BTC or right at $988. Block times are still low, eight minutes and 25 seconds with 0.44 BTC being taken on a per block basis for fees. There are 74.6 BTC that have been taken in fees over the last 24 hours. With a 3% dip in hash rate, that brings us down to 173 exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator today is Dogecoin, which is at 46 cents. Uh, but all those, oh my God, I don't even, I'm not even going to get into the amount of shitcoins that just came online. So, okay, so here's what's going on. 
<clears throat> I have said a couple of times that, well, at least it's not like 2017 insofar as the ICO craze. Well, you don't need it because you got DeFi. All the new bullshit coins that you're seeing and the tokens are coming up through DeFi, such as the SHIB token or SHIB. It's, it's a Dogecoin clone. And I don't, I don't think they actually cloned the blockchain for Dogecoin, but <clears throat> it's another token. It, there's a bunch of dog tokens coming online to, I don't, not to as much to suck the wind out of the sails of Dogecoin as much as they're just piggybacking on on what Elon Elon Musk is basically being free marketer for dog coins at this point. That's kind of where we are in the stupidity of the cycle. I expect it to get much worse before it gets any better at all. But the amount of stupid that's rushing into this space is is probably on a percent percent basis of people like if people who were already here versus the new people that are coming in, the percentage difference ratio between those two groups is probably the same this time as it was last time, but there's so many more people represented by that percent change that's coming in, flooding in from retail. And retail is is being misdirected to the very wrong shit. Expect it to occur. Expect it to continue. We only have 12,000 transactions in uh, basically waiting for 17 blocks to clear. So we're at the lowest that I've ever seen the various mempools reflecting what's going on on the Bitcoin blockchain. We are at $1.05 trillion. However, we are down to 8.7% of gold's total market cap with 18,707,810.5 BTC in circulation at a price of 56,370, according to Clark Moody's dashboard. We have 1,300 BTC now in the Lightning Network, which is the layer two network on top of Bitcoin. And the capacity value there is $73.3 million running across 11,189 nodes. And we just flipped up past 45,000 channels to 45,089 channels. We are at 59.5% of Tor uh, on the Lightning Network. So 59.5% of all the Lightning Network traffic is being conducted over Tor nodes, of which there are 5,464 of and 773.52 BTC are on the Tor side of the Lightning Network. Taproot activation, we've added them. Well, we added a mining pool. When I was setting the show up, we had seven. We are now down to one, two, three, four, five. Good God. So we lost two? Oh, man. Yeah, we, we did. We lost two. <clears throat> okay. So but it, from... I set the show up, basically, this part of the show I set up at about 5.30 in the morning uh, to get all this stuff on my screen. And at the time, there were seven mining pools signaling for taproot activation. And now we're back down to five. That's how quick shit happens in this space. So we'll just go ahead and end the numbers there and we'll move on to part two here. Welcome to part two of the morning roundup. We start this one with Texas. Turner Wright tells us more about this one from Cointelegraph. Texas House passes crypto-friendly bill. It is now going to the Senate. Members of the Texas House of Representatives have passed a bill which aims to recognize cryptocurrencies under commercial law in the state. In a session of the 87th Texas Legislature today, 
lawmakers passed a proposed amendment to the state's Uniform Commercial Code, or UCC, aimed at better adopting commercial law to blockchain innovation and digital asset regulation. First introduced by Rep. Tan Parker in March, House Bill 4474 will reportedly help define cryptocurrencies in the UCC. The bill will now go to the Texas Senate for any proposed amendments and potentially a final vote. Should the crypto legislation pass the Senate, Texas Governor Greg Abbott can sign the bill into law. Abbott has already said he is a crypto law proposal supporter, specifically referencing House Bill 4474 and seemed to encourage Bitcoin mining farms to set up shop in the state. Now, Lee Bratcher, president of the Texas Blockchain Council, told Cointelegraph in March that the bill could bring Texas closer to being a crypto-friendly state like Wyoming, one of the only states in the country to clarify the definition of virtual currencies for businesses. Wyoming has attracted major firms, including Cripple. Last year, the Wyoming State Banking Board granted crypto exchanges Kraken a charter to operate as a crypto-friendly bank and gave Avanti the green light to receive and custody crypto in a similar fashion. Texas is already home to crypto mining firms, including BlockCap and Riot Blockchain. Both companies have said they are planning to expand their mining ventures in the state with the purchase of new facilities and equipment. So, We'll have to see. This thing's got. This thing has just gone to the Senate, so we'll have to see what the Senate says about it. Um, I I'm hopeful that we'll get something going on like Nebraska and Wyoming. Uh, you don't. I mean, even if you don't want to be first, you sure as shit don't want to be last. Although I would like to see these guys last, but they're not going to be. Palantir says it may add Bitcoin to balance sheet. Scott Chipolina has it from Decrypt.co. Palantir Technologies. An evil American big data software company, he didn't actually say evil, I did, but they are evil, is considering adding Bitcoin to its balance sheet per an announcement on its earnings call on Monday. <clears throat> In addition to Bitcoin, Palantir also said that it might also consider holding other cryptocurrencies on its balance sheet. Yeah, you would. Palantir Technologies was co-founded by PayPal co-founder Peter Thiel and went public via direct listing in September of last year. Thiel recently described Bitcoin as a financial weapon for China, saying that the country's approach to the crypto industry should concern the United States. He has also opened a Bitcoin mining facility, guess where? In Texas. Palantir has reportedly relied heavily on government contracts for revenue. In February of last year, the company scored an $800 million contract with the Department of Defense, of course. Across the pond, Palantir reportedly benefited from a 46 million pound or $65 million contract from the British government as part of its response to the COVID-19 pandemic. According to Politico, the firm also gained, quote, privileged access end quote, to several UK government officials in the months prior to the contract was secured. Palantir stock is down 22% in 2021 so far, so some onlookers might see the Bitcoin announcement as a short-term effort to boost shares, maybe, but I think that they're, I think they're going far beyond that. I don't think Peter Thiel's looking at Palantir stock. He knows that that's not really going to matter, not in this environment. And it hasn't been a, a, an environment where he has to worry about it for a long time because as long as money printer go burr, none of these people that are in Peter Thiel's position need to worry about shit. He's playing a longer game, I guarantee it. Now, <clears throat> um, yeah, let's just go ahead and leave that. Palantir is a scary company. If you haven't looked into it, 
you probably need to dig past headlines and news stories like this to find out what Palantir does, who's involved aside from Peter Thiel, like what they do, what they say they want to do, all that shit. You might want to look into it because it's scary AF, dude. All right, Bloomberg analyst sees a U.S. Bitcoin ETF coming soon in 2021. Namcios has this one from Bitcoin Magazine. There's been a lot of hype over a Bitcoin exchange-traded fund arriving in the U.S. since at least 2017, with many firms filing for regulatory approval to offer this one or one this year. Although many filings have been made with the SEC, the agency has not yet approved one, as we know. But Bloomberg's top ETF analyst, Eric Bochinus, recently claimed that 2021 is a unique year for Bitcoin and made the case that an approval of a Bitcoin ETF in the U.S. may be imminent. Quote, the institutional adoption of crypto is much greater. The money centers are getting involved, explained Bochinus when asked how 2021 is different from previous years. Retail investors tend to feel less skeptical as institutions like Goldman Sachs get involved in Bitcoin, for example, further increasing adoption. An ETF approval would theoretically facilitate this growing demand to flow into Bitcoin primarily by retail investors. Yeah, when they get finished getting lunched on dog coins? Yeah, sure, maybe. Maybe then retail investors will pop in. Who knows? Because as Balshunas pointed out, although there has been an intense growth of default crypto products like GBTC, these offerings are not ideal for retail investors and the SEC knows this. Balshunas also brought up how Bitcoin ETFs are already a reality in Canada, and they failed to mention Brazil, by the way, where there's been a torrent of launches, which have worked fine and seen a lot of action. He also explained that Canada has a history of being six months to a year ahead of the U.S., further indicating that the U.S. will likely have a Bitcoin ETF sometime in 2021. In just three months after launch, Canadian crypto ETFs have taken over most trading or traded leaderboard in the country's market and have already amounted to $2.3 billion in assets. For perspective, the U.S. market is 27 times larger than Canada's. Finally, he mentioned how the new SEC chair, Gary Gensler, might play a decisive role in facilitating the approval of a Bitcoin ETF in the United States. Gensler seems to understand Bitcoin's distinct characteristics and has previously taught classes on blockchain technology and cryptocurrencies at MIT. Yes, we know. that's They always say that about Gensler, how he taught blockchain classes at MIT. I'd like to see the syllabus of that class to make sure that he knows what the hell he's talking about. In either event, that sounds like good news, right? Maybe, not sure. We'll have to look at this one. The SEC pours cold water on Bitcoin futures market. So right off the heels of everybody getting excited about an ETF, we got FUD coming direct from the Fed, man. So Scott Cipollina, is also writing this one for Decrypt.co. The U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission has issued a statement. Oh boy, it's a statement about the Bitcoin futures market calling for investors to exercise extreme caution. Extreme caution, guys. Extreme, extreme caution. Uh, Oh, and also they they want you to be mindful of risks. I guess, I don't know. I guess that means... Sell, sell, sell. I, I don't know. In either event... Um, In the statement, the SEC's Division of Investment Management strongly encourages any investor interested in investing in a mutual fund with exposure 
to the Bitcoin futures market to carefully consider the risks, uh, the risk disclosure of the fund, the investor's own risk tolerance and the possibility, as with all investing, of investor loss, the SEC said. Bitcoin futures will uh, futures fo- allow investors to gain exposure to Bitcoin without having to hold or store the current the cryptocurrency itself. Like any other futures contract for a commodity or stock, Bitcoin futures gives investors the chance to speculate on the future price of Bitcoin. Yeah, it's a casino, dude. In the SEC statement, Bitcoin futures are described as highly speculative. Yeah, so's roulette, assholes. In addition, the SEC warned against price volatility and scams in the wider Bitcoin market. Quote, investors should consider the volatility of Bitcoin in the Bitcoin futures market as well as the lack of regulation and potential for fraud or manipulation in the underlying Bitcoin market. Uh, Now, that's the cryptocurrency market, guys. This isn't the first time the SEC has shared its thoughts on the Bitcoin futures market. Shortly after Bitcoin futures began trading in 2017, the SEC released the cryptocurrency holdings letter, which acknowledged how the Bitcoin futures market was a nascent market. Since then, the SEC's view has evolved. Despite giving an overall warning about the risks inherent in the futures market, the SEC has also noted the progress made since 2017. Quote, the Bitcoin futures market has developed with increased trading volumes and open interest positions, the SEC said, adding that the Bitcoin futures market consistently has produced a reportable price for Bitcoin futures. The SEC statement comes after a number of applications for Bitcoin ETFs have landed on its desk, and as of last month, they have received at least eight high-profile Bitcoin ETF applications. Uh, Applications include VanEck, which already runs many ETFs across other sectors. The SEC has pushed their their decision on VanEck's Bitcoin ETF proposal to at least June of this year. They're also dealing with Novogratz's Galaxy Digital, Anthony Scaramucci's Skybridge Capital, and the New York Digital Investment Group. As yet, none have been approved. And However, to the north, Bitcoin ETFs have flourished, and then they go in basically to the same shit that they were talking about. You know, we know what's going on in Canada. They're six months ahead, and Gary Gensler has taught blockchain classes at fucking MIT. Yet one more time, so I'm not going to read it to you. Um... So, you know, I don't know, man, this is, this is just weird. You got, well, it's not weird. It's just that it's almost like, it's almost like somehow or another, we are destined to be inside of the 50,000s range forever, Laura, forever. Somebody comes out with good news about the potential of, of, of something coming on with an ETF and the SEC the very next day says, watch out for Bitcoin futures markets. They're no good even though they've been around since 2017. So from that standpoint, I guess this time it's different. I don't know. Bitcoin ETP, however, from Iconic Funds, starts trading on Deutsche Bourse Extera today, or Zetra, however you want to pronounce it. This is Coindesk's Tanzil Akhtar. Uh, Iconic Funds, which is a German investment product provider, is listing a Bitcoin exchange-traded product, not an exchange-traded fund, an ETP on Deutsche Bourse's Zetera or Zetra market. The ETP will begin trading under the ticker XBTI on Wednesday, that's today, with a total expense ratio of 0.95%. 
The product is structured as a traditional ETP and aims to remove the technical complications of investing in and holding Bitcoin for investors, the Frankfurt-based firm said. Each fully Bitcoin collateralized note of the ETP represents a claim on a specified amount of Bitcoin. Several crypto ETPs already trade on the Zetra platform, with the most recent launched by 21 shares and asset manager Wisdom Tree. And I believe Wisdom Tree also has an open application for an ETF that's sitting somewhere on the SEC's desk. I don't know, but Iconic Funds said it is also exploring listings for XBTI outside of the country of Germany. So <clears throat> as the SEC sits there and, and twiddles their thumbs, everybody else is able to get shit done. I don't know. Now, here's how stupid we are into this cycle, okay? Yearn Finance surges 45% as it joins Dog Pack with Woofy, W-O-O-F-Y. Samuel Haig decided to dig into this one for Cointelegraph. Despite Dogecoin retracing from its all-time highs of above 70 pennies, dog tokens continue to attract astonishing levels of popularity. Yeah, for now. With DeFi blue chip Yearn Finance emerging as arguably the most prominent team seeking to cash in on the canine meme coin craze with the launch of its Woofy token. But the Wi-Fi fans jumping in early may not have fully understood the coin's utility, which saw the price sail into the stratosphere. Whisperings of a new project began to circulate on Twitter over the past 24 hours, with users associated with Yearn hinting at a new token called Woofy, this one spelled W-U-F-F-Y. Rumors of an airdrop for users who posted a picture of themselves being licked by a dog and tag Yearn developers Banteg saw a flood of face lick photos uploaded to Twitter, like this one from Max Cryptohead that showed his face getting licked by a dog. And hashtagging Woofy, W-U-F-F-Y, not W-O-O-F-Y, or what was, what was the first one? Yeah, W-O-O-F-Y, and now they're already wanting to airdrop Woofy, W-U-F-F-Y. <sighs> As is quickly becoming the norm for new releases from the Yearn team, fans in the community raced to purchase the new token before fully understanding its utility. Despite Woofy, W-O-O-F-Y's sole function being to offer a means to re-denominate Wi-Fi holdings, with the Woofy Finance interface offering bi-directional Wi-Fi I to W-O-O-F-Y conversions at a ratio of one to one million, over-exuberant buyers push the price of Woofy so high as to imply Wi-Fi to be $1.5 million per token. As of this writing, Wi-Fi is trading for roughly $88,200 after gaining 43% in, 40, uh, in 24 hours. Community sentiment appears divided regarding Woofy, W-O-O-F-Y, with Twitter users or user brother Muazone concluding that looking like an unsavory attempt to milk veil out of the new suckers in the market, adding the experiment actually comprises a brilliantly timed and themed unit bias A-B test. Offering insights into whether traders prefer tokens with a larger circulating supply and lower fiat price, 
versus a low supply and a high token price. Although whether traders choose to hodl woofy and W uh, or sorry, Wi-Fi is arbitrary uh, with traders preference for one token over the other, having no impact on Yearn's overall market cap. The introduction of woofy W O O F Y may reduce the volatility of Wi-Fi's price by creating arbitrage opportunities between the two tokens. Well, that'll be fun. As of this writing, Wiffy last changed hands for 0.09 pennies in, sorry, for $0.09 or nine cents, implying a roughly 3% premium over Wi-Fi. According to Dex Tools, nine of the top 10 most viewed pairings on Uniswap V2 are dog tokens. I don't even know what to say about this, except for the following. As we've seen in the Bitcoin itself community, we've been talking about re-denominating everything in sats, which I don't think is going to work. I just don't. And it's not that I'm poo-pooing the idea. It's just that, I mean, if <sighs> these guys already did it and they're, and they're awful people, if we do the same thing, what's that going to look like? I, it's not my decision. Hey, you guys do whatever the hell you want to, and I'll just hold my Bitcoin. But I mean, honestly, here's what's happened. <clears throat> We've been talking about killing the unit bias by re-denominating Bitcoin as one unit of 100 million of what we now know as a Bitcoin, right? So there's 100 million Satoshis in a Bitcoin, and there's talk on the street of just saying, let's call BTC one one hundredth million or one one hundred millionth of a Bitcoin. And then the question becomes, well, what do we call the original Bitcoin? I suggested a metric fuck ton of Bitcoin or MFT BTC, but I'm not going to have my way here. I don't think this, this shit's going to happen. These guys did it though. And look what happened. So they released a new token. They didn't subdivide their own token. They released a new token and they pegged it to a decimal point of the Wi-Fi token and people ran, retail ran in like there was no gate and no gatekeeper, no nothing, just a pile of humanity aping into bullshit. I don't think it ends, ends well, but here's what's gonna happen. Wi-Fi started the craze last summer. We are now coming into, next, into this next summer. Expect Wi-Fi to go ape shit. Don't, my advice, stay as far away from it as possible because the rug pulls are also going to increase. We've already seen a whole bunch of people in a whole bunch of pro projects lose all of their money because they're not looking at what they're doing. Expect that to increase heavily over this summer. As to what this means for Bitcoin, I don't know. I, I don't really worry about it. Bitcoin is just, Bitcoin does what Bitcoin's going to do. We know it's the most secure. We know it's the most battle tested. None of these other things are. And this is why I don't necessarily worry about any of this bullshit. But you have to make up your own mind. You have to make your own decisions. I highly recommend not going into anything but, but Bitcoin. But in the short term, I'm just going to look like somebody who wants to keep you poor because in the very short term, all these people, the, at least the ones who know when to punch out, they're going to get a shit ton of money. And that, I, I, I can't deny that. So you got to make up your own mind. You got to make your own decisions. But I've seen this before. 
it it doesn't end well. But this does end, however, the morning roundup. Daily Train Wrecked is brought to you by Peter Brandt, who says, Sincere question. Crypto bulls have as a main narrative bullet points uh, the uncontrolled expansion of fiat currencies. As I see it, we have an uncontrolled expansion of cryptocurrencies. So tell me, what's the difference? Well, Peter, it's very clear that this is your first alt season. There's just no points for being that fucking ignorant, Peter. You know better. If you had been in this thing at 2016, you would have seen the same thing, but you really weren't here. And if you were here, you really weren't looking around very well. But now you are. You're seeing what we saw back in 2016 and 2017, where just this huge expansion of cryptocurrencies, and he's making the same mistaken argument yet one more time. We saw this argument be put to death multiple times. We've burned it at the stake. We've hanged it. We've drawn and quartered it. We've keel hauled it. And yet the FUD keeps coming back. No, Peter, none of these cryptocurrencies have anything going for them other than retail being as stupid as retail is. And I don't like shitting on my fellow man like that, but that's what's going on. This is just people who want, quote unquote, want theirs too, aping into anything that they possibly can. And 95% of them are going to lose everything, or at least they'll lose enough that it will be a life-changing amount of money and not to the good side. That's going to be reserved for the 5% of the people who either have started these projects and know when to rug pull or know somebody who started these projects who's getting the information on when to rug pull or can just look at charts. And this is about 0.5% of the trading population can just look at charts and know when to punch the fuck out. It's going to happen. It always does. And it's going to happen again. And when it does, it's going to be suicide hotline numbers all over Reddit again. It's like nothing changes. Nobody ever learns. And I guess nobody ever, of course, you never really learn. If you weren't here to learn the first time, then you don't know what to do this. Then you don't know what to do the second time because this is your first time. And if this is your first time, God help you, man. God help you. So for the joke, we need a joke. Well, maybe we don't need any more jokes than Woofy and the other Woofy, but we have one from Dad Says Jokes. What kind of doctor is Dr. Pepper? He's a physician. Get it? Physician. Maybe that will carry us through for the rest of the stupidity that we've got in store for us today. Keep your eyes out for FUD. Keep your eyes out for other FUD, like what the hell's going on in Israel and Palestine. While uh, my hearts go out to people on both sides of that, because civilians are the ones that are caught in the middle, guys. This is always the case. A small group of people hold all the power and they get pissed at each other. And the next thing you know, they're the only ones that have money to do any real damage. And where do they do damage? Civilian population. At one point or another, the civilians need to stand up and, and, and literally do the same damage to their small group of government and power-holding officials 
that they do to each other with the civilians caught in the way. I think it's going to happen pretty soon. I, I think the civilian population of the planet Earth has just about fed to the teeth with these people, and they all need to be stopped, and they all literally need to be lined up against a wall, and, well, you know, I'm just going to say it. I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.